It's an honor for us to be together today in, it, in the house of the Lord, and in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Let's turn to St. John chapter 9, verse 1. Welcome each other here today. <clears throat> Trust the Lord Jesus will come and meet with us and minister to us according to our needs. We all already know, I'm sure, there's no man capable of being able to go down in a person's soul and help them, give them peace, try to answer questions that they have. Only the Lord can do that for us, and we're looking for him to do it today. St. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. I find this so sad that Judaism had eroded to such a place that they were merging in transmigration of souls or preexistence of souls. Moses never taught this. The prophets never taught it. The law, the Torah never taught it. But where did this come from? that they believed a baby was born with flaws, whether it would be a disease or blindness, and they believed that child had sinned in another world, in another life. Can't you see how far people can erode from truth? And all it takes is a little bit. Satan will never offer you a great, gigantic, big gap initially, but just a little bit. And then the wider you go and the farther you go, farther you get away from it. Now here these disciples are no doubt sincere. No doubt sincere. So notice they ask him the question, his disciples ask him saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Can you imagine this man all of his life was waiting for one purpose, that the works of God could be made manifest through him. wonder how much suffering, how much begging, how much pain, how much ridicule. People laughed at him, made fun of him, couldn't make a living, so he had to beg. God would do something like that. God would humble people and lower them to a place that the Word of God could be made manifest. You see, many folks don't want to serve God like this. They've got a polished up lid of seeing God. That's never going to make you suffer, never going to make you go anything. You need to read your Bible again. This man is one of my all-time favorite guys of the New Testament. How many would like to be remembered today as we pray? Uh, I'd like for you to remember Erica today, if you would. She had some blood work done on Monday, and a lot of her accounts were very low, white blood, red blood, platelets, several others, and I can't even pronounce the name of them. But we just agree together today that the Lord will help her. I think Brother Aaron already mentioned Brother Luther Dishman, dear friend of mine, pastor in the church down in Kentucky where I, I was at years and years ago. Whenever I left to come to Johnson City, Brother Luther was voted in there to take the church and he's been there as a faithful minister ever since, but he's facing a real serious heart situation. 
So I'd love for you to remember him. Also, his wife, Sister Barbara, be having, he'll be having surgery on Tuesday. She'll be having surgery on Tuesday as well. So they certainly need our prayers. How many has an unspoken request you'd like to raise your hand signifying it today? Hold it in your heart. Heavenly Father, as we approach your throne of grace and mercy today, we come only by your bidding. There's none of us, I don't think, would feel we could come on our own. We would dare presume to walk into the, your great august courts without something speaking for us. Even as Christians, at our best, we're so full of faults, so full of mistakes and errors. So we need something wonderful, something sinless, something holy to speak for us. We believe we have that today, the blood of the Lord Jesus. We don't bring this church, the church building, nor its people, nor its pastor, nor our clothes, our earnings, our possessions, to go between us and you. But we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And we believe today with that on our hearts, we have a right to ask these petitions. So we're joining our faith together today, Father. I pray you'd remember Brother Luther Lord, Sister Barbara, both of them facing surgery on Tuesday. And Lord, Brother Luther, you see it's a very serious situation for him. We're praying that you would just guide the doctors and help them to know what to do. They're not even sure yet if they'll do stents. Once they get in there, they're just not certain what to do. But I pray the angels of God would be there in that hospital in Cookville, Tennessee. May you guide these surgeons. Be with Sister Barbara, Lord. Hers is a more simple operation, gallbladder, but still needing your help. Father, we're joining our faith together today for Erica. Lord, that you'd move for her. You see her numbers, Lord, and made her really exhausted and really tired all week long. But may the strength of God go to her today. You saw the hands that were uplifted around this building, hundreds of them, Lord. It signified needs, desires, petitions. Would you grant them, Lord, according to your will? Now, I stand here today as the most needy one in the building. I have to try to take the word and speak to your people. I would be most foolish to think I would be capable of doing so. No matter how educated, how smart I might be, how much wisdom I might think I would have, how can one mortal speak words of eternal life to another without the author of eternal life anointing that mortal? So that's what I pray for today. Lord, help me. Shut my mouth to anything that would displease you. Open my mouth to that which brings honor and glory to you. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Jesus, be mindful of this prayer cross today. Father, for Sister Juliet, I pray you see these needs in her body, Lord. Amen. Let's turn there or continue, I should say, on in verse 6. This man is is a very unique individual. He um, was in darkness, not only as far as the, his eyes, but he hadn't really known yet the light of God for the day. And once you notice what Jesus does, he does something so unsanitary, so incredible. The time he chooses it is not fitting, the world will say. 
the way he goes about doing it doesn't even make sense. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. So, on the ground and made clay of the spittle. So Jesus bends over and he spits on the ground. Takes his finger, his hand, who knows what it was exactly, and goes to mixing up a little bit of his spittle with the dust that was laying there. Made the clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, whose report will you believe about this situation? This has never been done before. He has no scripture to even back it up. But since he is the scripture, it doesn't need to be written. It's being lived out. He didn't actually need to have four or five prophets to say that this could be done because he was the word. So Jesus now sends the man. We know that he could have easily just said, receive your sight. And it would have happened. And he said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. But remember, this is on the Sabbath day. Now, by their tradition and by what they had added to the law, a person on the Sabbath day could only walk so far. Now, that was designated not so much by Moses, but by the traditions of the fathers. And it just so happens that where Jesus meets this man is out of the range of the theologian's distance. So Jesus rubs this clay on his eyes, and then he tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I've been there at the pool of Siloam. So it was a place that was very notable. If you lived anywhere in Jerusalem, you would have pretty well known where it was. It was a place that they would wash. The angel of the Lord, of course, would come there, but they also washed there before ascending up the steps to be able to go to the mount to be able to worship worship the Lord. So all the people would have known about it. Now this man, how in the world is he ever going to find his way since he's blind? He's no doubt been there before, and he had heard about the angel troubling the water, but he's now got this distance, which by their tradition, he's fixing to break. So does he break the tradition of the elders in order to obey Jesus, or does he disobey Jesus in order to keep the tradition of the elders? Whose report would you believe Now, let's not make this now the blind man this morning, but we're going to make it you and you and you and you and you and me. So we're going to actually travel back, we'll say, and it's not going to be just necessarily this blind man there, but it's going to be this young man, this young man, this brother, this sister, that sister. It's going to be me. And I'm going to be standing there, and the Lord Jesus is going to tell me to do something that is absolutely contrary to the tradition, not contrary to the scripture now, but contrary to the tradition of the elders. He's going to tell me to do something that's going to make absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. He's going to spit, going to rub this mixture on my eyes, and then going to tell me to go wash. Now, you imagine the people as they are around, because everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. So he 
He makes up his mind, now what should I do? Maybe the man with his stick in his hand and he kind of had a proximity of knowing where he was and he realizes, hey, won't that break the allowed distance that I'm, I'm allowed, the allocation of the distance that I can walk according to the traditions of the great fathers, the holy ones, the magnificent priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, won't I get in trouble with them? You sure will, buddy. You are going to get in big trouble. But he had to make a choice. Now remember, Jesus didn't tell him, if you wash, you'll see. He just said, go wash. Now remember, it was not a conditional a promise attached to this. So he didn't really know if he would see or not see once he'd done it. Jesus just said, go wash. Now remember, the man has to take Jesus' word for it, and it's an unwritten promise. There's actually nothing said. So what if I don't do it then? What if I save face? What if I just save face, and I say, you know, sir, I, I just can't do this. This is a Sabbath day, and this is beyond the distance that I'm allowed to do, and I hear that you're a good man and all that, but my goodness, you don't expect me to do this, do you? Am I going to be healed or not? Well, tell me, am I or not? Jesus never said he just says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is my interpretation of sin. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. So now he's broke the, the tradition twice. He broke it coming and going. I love it when the Lord does that. He broke it coming and going. So he broke it going to the pool, and he broke it coming back to the Lord Jesus. Now, God never does anything to break his word. But God does all kinds of things to break tradition. As a matter of fact, he loves to break it. He absolutely loves to turn tradition upside down, spin it on its head, and make it so drunk it can't even stand up when it gets up. That's what he loves to do to tradition. Now, the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, isn't this not he that sat and begged? So it had been vindicated now, proven for many, many years that this man was blind. Now notice the difference of opinion and what's been said. Some said, this is he, but others said, he is like him, but he said, I am he. Well, some said, ain't that that guy that sat out there? Others said, well, he sure does look a lot like him. And the man settled their doubts and said, I am he. Now, so here the trouble starts. Now, there's going to be several reports that's going to come out of this miracle. Now, this man is not one of the type of people that God gives him a promise in his word and he has to fight and fight and fight for months or sometimes even years to get the manifestation of the healing or the deliverance in his body. He doesn't have to do that. He does one simple thing. He goes and washes and then he comes back and then he gets his healing. This man's fight is not going to be to get his healing but to keep it. Now, I want you to listen to me. I wondered and I've thought about it a lot over the years. What would have happened to this man's sight had he compromised under the pressure of the day that he lived and denied the Lord Jesus? 
I wonder if some man would not have went back to being a blind man. You see, there's a lot that I'm, I think we need to understand more about healing. And that is that sometimes a demon can grab around an optical nerve in an eye. Now, I'm not making this up. I'm sharing this with you from discernments. When the prophet would pray for people that were blind and he would speak to that demon which had a hold of that optical nerve and command that demon to turn the optical nerve loose. Now, like was one person where they come up and they have cancer and the prophet speaks to that demon and about that demon and he commands that demon by the name of Optimus. Optimus. Type it in, check me out. It's only mentioned one time in the message. Optimus. So he speaks and commands that cancer of Optimus to turn this person loose. I got curious about that a couple years ago. Some of y'all remember it. And I went online to be able to look and see what, what in the world would an Optimus be. So I found this image online that it was something associated with Star Wars and all that sort of thing, whatever that is. Uh, and it was the image that was a face and it was red and it had arms, uh, horrific, absolutely horrific to look at. And you know, whenever people get healed, that part of the battle is over. But they can also lose their healing. Now, if a person believes the Lord is their Savior and he forgives them of their sins, they are saved as long as they believe and confess they are saved. If they ever lose their faith in their confession, they go back to being lost again. Now, I'm not talking about being receiving the Holy Ghost and being sealed. I'm talking about being saved. So it works the same way with divine healing that a person could be healed. Now, 1951, the prophet was in a place there in New York, and he was at the Endicott Shoe Company. They had built a big, massive coliseum there. So people were coming up in the prayer line there for many, many days, a couple of weeks. So people would come up in the prayer line. They were blind, they were lame, they were halt. They were healed of all types of supernatural things. But yet, in a couple of days, some of those same people were coming right back through the prayer line again and this same thing was on them again. And he said the angel of the Lord met him and told him, tell them people to get up there and confess their sins. Now why? In the presence of the angel of God under the administration of a gift given to this prophet by the hand of the angel, that demon would be afraid and leave the people. But once they got out from underneath that anointing and out from under the presence of that angel. Now keep in mind, the angel of God that met the prophet was not one of lower rank. It was not like the one that was sent to Daniel when Daniel was praying, asking God for deliverance. And when he comes down over the city, there was a fallen angel there which was superior in rank still, even though he'd become a demon. 
but he was still superior in rank and superseded the rank of the angel which had not fallen. You remember reading this in your Bible? So whenever they come down, they begin to get into a fight. And this fallen angel over this city where Daniel was, he had dominion over this kingdom. So the angel of God had come down and he warred and he fought for 21 days and he could not break through. So what did God do? God sent Michael, which is the angels of the angel of the Jews' deliverance. So Michael comes down, and then this angel is released to go to Daniel, and he says, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved of the Lord, your prayer was heard the first day you prayed it. You imagine Daniel saying, well, what took you so long to get here? What well, he's going to let him know. There was a great war that was going on in the principality realm over that city. Do you understand, friends? Every time God goes to answer one of our prayers, it is a war It is a war of a dominion that is going on above us and we think, well, God ain't hurting me. Don't you never believe that? God hears the prayers of his children. But sometimes there is a place to where God will send the the answer down. Maybe an angel of the Lord going to visit your community and it depends upon the rank of the angel that that angel will have to fight a breakthrough. So he's not only bringing you a breakthrough, but he must break through himself. Now remember when the angel come to Daniel and he tells him uh, that Daniel was praying about the prophecies of Jeremiah, of course, and he tells him what's going to happen. He turns and he tells him, now, lo, I must go and fight with the prince of Grecia. Now remember, the Grecian kingdom has not yet been burst. So it is a different demon that has been chosen. Remember the prophet tells us in Victory Day that those demons, what causes war is those demons get jealous of one another. Now remember, Satan's entire kingdom is founded upon rebellion, stubbornness, lies. Can you imagine how well they get along down in hell? Can you imagine, you understand what caused the war in Ukraine? Because the demon of Russia got jealous of the demon over Ukraine. You know why United States and Russia and Iran and China, you know why everybody's all tore up? You know where that come from? That originated in the abyss, in the regions of the lost. And the demons over China and the demons over Iran and the demons over Russia and the demons over America, they all got into a big argument. Well, there's only so many that they can do down there. So they express this warfare on the earth. So they will anoint a man like Boris Yeltsin, they'll anoint on another man like Putin, they'll anoint another American or whoever more, and then these demons anoint them people and they go to fighting and killing and all the wars that have been down through time. You understand that? That's where it all comes from, which is exactly the same thing that happens in churches. That's why we do not want to establish any home. We don't want to establish any family. We don't want to establish a church on the basis of rebellion or disobedience to God's word. Because no matter how it good it may seem initially, it will come around full circle and that church will wind up in one split after another after another. Why? The foundation is a split itself. So Satan split the angels in heaven and he's been splitting and dividing husbands, wives, children, and so on for thousands and thousands of years. 
Now, there was no doubt something upon this child. Now, we don't know enough about the birth of this little boy to be able to know, did he see apparently nothing? Apparently, the little boy could see nothing because the parents are going to witness for us here momentarily that he was from his birth. So something happened in the womb or something happened as soon as the child was born, we don't know, but the little boy was never able to see one thing. But remember, all these physical impairments, whether they come at birth or whether they are later in life, they come from the realm of demons. Angels of God do not administer blindness. Oh no, coronavirus never come from heaven. The flu don't come from heaven. Where is it? All those diseases are fourth dimension diseases. So when Satan stole these angels from God, preached to them, deceived them, he divided them into different positions. Now remember, he's not a creator, so he couldn't create angels, so he had to take what God had created. Now remember, that's the way a lot of preachers are too. They have to divide and subdivide and divide. Any true man of God has birthing ability in his gift by the Holy Ghost. Other preachers do not. Oh, you say, that's not Bible. Oh, but it is Bible. You see, Paul said you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you have not many fathers. So every preacher does not have the power of begattle. Why? Some of them aren't born again themselves. So some preachers carry the ability to beget. So they can beget, no matter where they go, where you put them, they'll always produce new births by the word. So others, they simply can't do it. So what will they do? They'll try to pull and take away from those under the power of the man who can beget. Well, it's the same way Satan did. Satan could not create angels, so he went up there, deceived those angels, preached to them, exalted himself above them, then he took them. Well, when they fell, then the gifts and the anointing that God gave to them, they kept and maintained that. So it wasn't like that once they started serving the devil, they all lost their hierarchy, they lost their anointing. No, whatever the hierarchy was, the order that they were in heaven, when they fell, they fell exactly the same way. So here when Daniel, when this angel of God sent down to answer his prayer, he come and met a fallen angel which had ranked higher than he did in the beginning. Well, you see, God knew this would happen. Why don't God stop all that? Because he wants to manifest himself like he's going to in the life of this man. So this man we see then is blind. Now, by this time, of course, Jesus had already been healing the sick and a lot of things had been going on. So once you notice that in verse 15, now the Pharisees, they get all tore up about this. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see. Now, once you notice, here is a report from the Pharisees, and this man is not trying to get healed, but the battle is going to be, will this man stay healed? Will this man be able to fight through? Now, remember, you may be healed or delivered of something in your life. Don't get in your mind that thing will not try to come back and get on you again. Many of you know that you have put things under your feet by the grace of God. Maybe it was a habit. Maybe it was a besetting sin. It was something that robbed your victory. And you put it under your feet and you thought, praise God, I'm totally delivered of that thing. And if we're not careful, we will let down our guard because we are delivered. And the first thing you know, we find ourselves right back in the same thing again. 
And then what do many people do? Well, they begin to question their new birth. Am I born again? Do I have the Holy Ghost? And that's not necessarily the problem. Sometimes the problem is we just wasn't aware enough that that thing may leave us, but it will try to come back. Now, this man, to me, what I'm looking at and seeing a bigger picture here is the glory of God has been made manifest. So Satan wants to reverse that glory in the eyes of the people. So if he can get this man to doubt what God did. You remember Jack Cole, many of you, many, many years ago, that someone brought a lawsuit against Jack Cole. And remembers it? Nobody? Okay, a few of you. It was that a child was prayed for in one of his meetings, and then the child walked across the platform, and then, of course, the child fell, broke its leg. You know, it was just a great big old thing. And they sued Jack Cole. They was going to take him to court. And they had lawyers and this and that and the other, but it was actually a lawyer that helped him, but it was a preacher that stood up and the judge said, if there's anybody here who can prove that God performed a miracle and then that miracle failed or something happened, he said, I will let this man go free. So a preacher stood up, your honor, can I speak? Yes, sir, speak. So he says, I'm reminded in the scripture when the Lord Jesus was here on the earth and Simon Peter was in a boat And Jesus said to Peter, come and walk with me. Simon Peter walked out on water, but Simon Peter got his eyes off of the Lord Jesus and settled down into the water, and Jesus had to rescue him from drowning. And the judge picks up his little hammer there and boom, boom, case dismissed. Why? Because a man who had walked on water losing sight of the Lord Jesus lost his miracle and gravity possessed him again. There's no way in the world you're going to be able to prove to me scientifically how that Jesus or Peter walked on water. It's a miracle enough for Jesus to, but for Peter to do it. And then the miracle somehow was reversed right in the middle of it. And Peter walked out of his miracle and nearly killed himself. Don't tell me that miracles cannot be reversed. Praise the Lord, says. So just because of a setting sin, you're delivered of in your life. It doesn't mean that thing will come back to you. You remember whenever the children of Israel crossed down the south part of the promised land. They come up to the first large city there, which was Jericho. It was in the south land, and they begin to drive it. So they're going to conquer from there out. They spread eastward, westward, but mainly northward. And they drove out all the giants that was in the land. But 40 years later, when Caleb come back to get his mountain, those giants that they had drove out was right back in the land again, in the land of Hebron. So they had left under the authority of God's messenger, Joshua, and then time went by, those same giants come right back again. Well, you don't want no giants back in our land, do we? So I want you to notice now, this man is going to be challenged like no other man so far in the miracles of the Lord Jesus. So now he's got the Pharisees. Well, he did have just the neighbors. Well, they, you know, a lot of them could be rough, but they ain't really got no authority. So I want you to notice how Satan will escalate the authority of those who's going to question this man to talk him out of his miracle. How many believes he had a miracle? How many believes he'd want to keep it? How many of you had miracles in your life, healings in your life, deliverance? Well, do you want to keep them? Do you want to keep what you've been delivered from? You want to keep the healing that God's given you. And how are you going to do it? Same way you got it in the first place, your faith in God's word. Now what? So the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sign. He said, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, now listen to their report. This man is not of God. 
Now, if they can get this formerly blind man to believe their report, what's going to happen to his healing? What's going to happen to his miracle? Because it's all based on Jesus. He ain't got no scripture in the Old Testament. The Old Testament's not written yet. It's based on the validity of this person. If this person is not valid, then my miracle is gone and he'll gain his blindness back and the glory of God will be turned into a sham. Whose report would you believe? This man is not of God. Now they're going straight to the scripture because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, so here we got another report. Newsflash, newsflash. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Notice then, they say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he has opened thine eyes? Give it to me, brother. Tell me what you think. What is your report? He is a prophet. Praise the Lord. Now, where did he get any scriptures for this? The Lord Jesus at this time had not yet made this known publicly. We have no record that Peter slipped around and said, he's a prophet, he's a prophet, he's a prophet. He didn't get it from Peter. He didn't get it from John. He got it from the Father. I hope that's where we get our revelations from. So now here is his report. He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. Oh, wow. So that changes everything, right? I mean, they didn't believe he was blind. So I guess the blind man said, well, I guess I wasn't blind then after all. I've been out here begging. and I, I've, I've been this sorry, low-down sinner. And I guess I wasn't lost after all. According to some of the modern-day preachers, I heard one of the most famous in the world just the other day say, 99.5% of all the people on the face of the earth are relatively good and not evil people. I thought, buddy, you need your brain baptized. You need to be saved yourself. The majority of our world is wicked. There ain't no good in them. They're evil, just like you and I were evil. We're born that way. That's why we had to be born again. Oh, my. But the Jews, now watch the devil. He approach it from another way. What's this all doing? Mass confusion. So some said this, some said that, some said that, some said that. It's the devil, it's demons right among them. So the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents. Oh, praise God, here comes mom and dad. Glory to God. Mom and dad will stand with me. Hallelujah. Until they called the parents of him that had received his sight and they asked them saying, is this your son? who ye say was born blind. His parents answered them and said, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. (coughs) This is our son. Uh, uh, He 
he was born blind. But what man means he now sees, we know not. And who has opened his eyes, we know not. They quickly want to separate themselves from Jesus. We don't know how he got well, and we don't know who. Now, they've been standing there maybe, and that done hurt. The main problem is not just that he got well, but who done it? That's what a lot of life is about is who done it, ain't it? Who done it? A crime they want to know. Who done it? Who done this? Who done that? Well, we can see what the focus is. It's on who done it. So they say, we don't know how he got well, and we don't know how his eyes have been opened. We know not. He's of age. Ask him. Well, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. I always knew you'd stand with me in the hard times. Thanks. Friends, we, we don't understand the pressure that was there in this first century. We don't understand the power of the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Herodians, and all them, the control they had over people's spiritual life. You see, they had already made a decree among themselves. Anybody that confessed that Jesus is the Christ is excommunicated from the synagogue. Now, like a lot of our message people that don't think you have to go to church, these folks still believe you need to go to church. Now, watch, they said, he is of age. Ask him. Well, you imagine him looking at mama and dad and say, huh, wow. I mean, y'all the ones that give me birth. Y'all the ones that raised me. Y'all the ones that, I've, I've been such a burden to you. I think you'd be shouting right here with me. They wasn't shouting. No, sir, they said, we're not even sure. We think this is our son. This looks like our son. We know he was born blind. That we can't, we can't doubt that. But as far as how this his boy of ours is, well, we don't even know. And we sure don't know who was the one who done it. He's old enough. He's 18. He's of age. Ask him. Ain't it amazing that a real seed of God will stand for Jesus if they have to stand without mama, without daddy, was our friends, it don't make no difference. Don't mean it didn't hurt this boy. You imagine the scribes is bad enough. What are you going to believe, man? Whose report? Now the mom and daddy turns against him. Now what would some of us do? Can I go on? These words spake his parents because... They feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if any man did confess he was the anointed one, the Christos, he should be put out of the synagogue, excommunicated. You see, without the synagogue, the synagogue was the center of religious life. And remember, they only had one temple. That temple could only be in one place, which was in Jerusalem. But for the people living in Capernaum, the people living in different places, Karen, I stood a few years ago and the remnants of the original synagogue that was there in Capernaum, 
They had to dig feet down to be able to find them. Now I stood as I looked over, bound into there with it, built on top and on top and on top, more layers of debris and dirt and stone, and looking right there at the original floor, and I thought, my goodness, the Lord Jesus himself would have stood right there in them same rocks. So they could have a synagogue. What was a synagogue? It wasn't a temple, but it was a place where they could read and pray and study the word. It was also a place of social gathering which they could not do in the temple. So they had, they had synagogues everywhere. It's the same way today. The Jews in Nashville, the Jews in New York, I've been to different of their synagogues around the world. They don't have a temple, they don't call it a temple. But they have a synagogue, for there they pray. It is the hub of their spiritual life. So without that, no sacrifice. Without that, no fellowship. Without that, you are banned as if you were a Gentile heathen. Oh my goodness. If any man should confess that he was a Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. John 9, 24. Then again, call they the man that was blind. Uh, this poor guy, man, he has been interrogated. The FBI ain't got nothing on these scribes and Pharisees, did they? they? They said unto him, give God the praise. Well, he was. Give God the praise. We know this man is a sinner. And they knew that from whom? This man actually come to save sinners, so he couldn't be one. They were so settled and so sure, and they were as wrong as wrong could be. And you imagine that blind demon hanging around that man. You better bow. You better bow. Go ahead. I'll come back. I'll grab a hold of your optical nerve. I'll turn this glory of Christ into a sham. Not with this man you won't. I believe the Lord's got some of these same type of people sitting right here today. So they called the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise for we know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. <laughs> Woo! Oh, glory! All their theology, all their pressure, all of their politics wasn't going to take his healing away from him. Brother Jack, there's one thing he knew. Now, this man was not a theologian. Probably had never read nothing in his entire life. Maybe heard the Torah since he was a little boy, but had never held it in his hand and took the reading instrument and went from the right to the left in the direction that Hebrew is written. He had never seen one written word of God 
but the living word of God had just spit into the ground and it rubbed that spittle on his eyes. Oh, who better to heal a blind man's eyes than the man who made the first eyes in the first place? Who better to heal your stomach or your liver or your eyes or your heart than the first almighty God who made a heart in the first place? Then said they unto him again, what did he do to thee? How open he thine eyes. And he said, I have told you already that I believe Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10, 1 to 7. (laughs) I have told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore, will you hear it again? Watch him, he's gonna scorch them now. Will you also be his disciples? What? So y'all want to come to the message? Y'all want to believe him? Well, you believe what you want to. I believe this old boy felt a little bit of the anointing that I get under sometimes and other preachers get under when they hem that devil up against the wall. You don't know what it's like unless you stand there when you get that old boy hemmed up against the wall and you know the ball is in your court and you punch him in the mouth and then you hit him on the jaw, then you hit him on the forehead and then you hit him right in the goozle so his goozle will attack his esophagus and then you hit him at the side of the head and you keep whomping up on him until he's begging for mercy. I wish somebody would say amen. You know what I'm talking about? when God gives you victory in your life and the Lord allows you to put your foot on the head of that devil that's been holding you down and you say, you know what? I believe I'll stay here for a while while I'm here. I believe I'll stay here for a while until that nicotine devil is dead, until that pornography devil is dead. I'm gonna rejoice in the presence of my king. So here we are in the middle of this now. We're all standing near and around the pool of Siloam. Some have said this, some have said that, some have said that. And here this guy's in this discussion with these great theologians. And I still come back to this same simple question. Whose report will you believe? Well, I'm going to believe both. That's totally impossible. You see, a lot of folks are fence straddlers. They're not going to really stand for really anything. Oh, they just love everybody and want to be loved by everybody, you jellyfish. This man wasn't no jellyfish. Oh my, notice. Will you also be his disciples? And then they reviled him. Oh, you watch it. You see, the Spirit of God will always maintain its character and traits even under stress. Sometimes you can't always tell about something when something's going on or something's happening. You can't always identify it immediately, or I can't anyway. But what I've learned to do is give it a little time, Brother Jack, and then the real spirit behind it will stick its head up. Now watch this guy. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple. We are Moses' disciples. Right. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, 
Well, they didn't know God very well because God was this fellow. <laughs> As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. And the man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he has opened mine eyes. It's an amazing thing to me that you guys are the theologians of the day and you don't know where he come from and this man has opened my eyes and it ain't never been done since the foundation of the world and you're trying to figure out who he is and where he come from. I don't mind telling you this old boy had some real theology, didn't it? But it wasn't Pharisaic theology. It was not from the Herodians. It was divine theology from God. Listen to this. I've quoted this scripture, my goodness, since a boy, young boy started reading the Bible. John 9, 31. Now listen, this coming from this blind man. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Where did that man get such profound words? He didn't read them. He wasn't able to get it from some Bible encyclopedia. Those words have been used for thousands of years from a man that was formerly blind. Well, it reminds me of some of us. We were formerly spiritually blind and the Spirit of God sent us his life and saved us and sanctified us and filled us with the Holy Ghost and called us to the end time word. And I imagine you're like I am sometimes. The words that comes out of your mouth astounds you. Why? Because it ain't you speaking, it's your Father. You imagine this old boy said, man, where in the world did that come from? You imagine his mom and daddy saying, that was good. I mean, under their breath, of course. And then the Pharisee looked at him. Then they look at one another. He maybe won't be a preacher. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins. Dost thou teach us? You were born! with a marked token that you're a sinner like they weren't. God had something against you. It proves you are a sinner because when you come out of your mother's womb or just a little bitty baby, you weren't blind. God disliked you. No, as a matter of fact, God ordained this man's portion in the book of John chapter 9. Now, I grant you, friends, there's some of us that God may have an allocation of the portion of the Scripture for our lives, and there may be parts of it we just flat don't like. 
How many would want to be in trouble? How many would want to be sad? How many would want to be blind? But what if God could allow that to happen to you? That the glory of God would be made manifest. This man has been preached about for thousands of years. This man has been admired. This man is a hero. This man, oh, come on, somebody. This man, oh, I can't wait to see the guy that day. I'm going to go up there looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? This man is one of my heroes. I want to meet that man of John 9. He'll say, Donnie, Donnie, over here I am. I want to go run it. Oh, brother, brother, brother. You was an inspiration to me. You were a blessing to me. Anybody else feel the same way? <laughs> thou was altogether born in sins. Dost thou teach us? Well, no, he couldn't because they wouldn't let him. Now, listen at what happens to him. And they cast him out. I don't know if you realize it or not, this is the first person in the New Testament that is physically cast out of the church for the sake of Jesus. And he wasn't even a preacher, he wasn't a song leader. You young people, you older people, they're well, I ain't no preacher. I can't do nothing for God. Every one of you can do something for God. You don't have to be a preacher to be greatly loved by God. So they cast him out. So what's he doing? He's fighting to keep his confession. Do I still believe him in spite of all this? Do I still hold on to him? Do I still maintain he is a prophet? I know it looks like he breaks the Sabbath. I know it looks unsanitary. I know it looks like this and it looks like that. But a man couldn't do this if he wasn't from God. Now watch Jesus. Then Jesus heard they had cast him out. Isn't it amazing that Jesus is letting the man stand here now through all this opposition? All this difficulty, Jesus don't come up from his arm and say, man, him's pals, you got a problem? Talk to me about it. I'm the one that healed him. Why didn't Jesus take this reproach off of him? He wanted a New Testament hero in John 9. There ain't no, there ain't no need to write no book because there ain't going to be nobody to, read or to leave it, to read it rather whenever we're gone. Let me tell you something. There's just as great a heroes alive today around the world. They stand for the Lord Jesus and they're prayed for. They believe his word and after they're prayed for, they get worse. Their symptoms get worse and their headache and their heartache and whatever more gets worse and they still in their pain say, by his stripes, I am already healed. And they may make a mistake and fall short of the glory of God, but they'll rise right back up again and say, my failures do not identify who I am. My shortcomings do not identify who I am. I am not what I complete today. I am not what I failed to complete today. I am what I am by the election and the foreknowledge of God. My failures have nothing to do with Hello, hallelujah. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him. So here comes Jesus on a mission. 
Jesus found him the first time pre-healing. Now Jesus finds him the second time post-healing. Praise be to God. And he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he, uh uh-oh, and he worshiped him. He found out he had a synagogue replacement. (laughs) Oh, glory! They wouldn't let him back in the church. They wouldn't let him in the temple. They wouldn't let him in the synagogue. But Jesus came to the earth and said, Upon this rock I will build my church. And this is one of the first members that stood up by revelation and said, I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. You see, now he's not just trusting him. But this is a religious worship and adoration. Scribes, Pharisees, mom, dad, everybody else standing around. So he's ascribing honor and glory as he worships. Oh, Lord God, Adonai, I worship you. Now, he's not worshiping a creature. He's worshiping the creator. Praise be to God. Now you see, this is the work of faith and the power of God in his soul working its way out. The verb here that John uses, proskinuin, used by John, is for paying homage to God. Not a God, not a Lord, but the Lord God himself. So John was standing there that day. You know, imagine, as John is there and he's watching, he said, oh my Lord, he's going to worship him. He's going to worship him as God. So when John pins this years later and he recalls the memory and how this is one of the first ones to worship him as God. Don't worship him as a hero. You see, hero worship was, was well known to the Greek. Yes, it was well known to the Greeks, well known to the Romans. Well known down to the, the, the heroes, you know, the, those fighters and stuff. They made basically gods out of them. They would go in the arena and they would worship them. They would throw garlands and wear garlands out and they would do all kinds of things to worship them. But there was something different about this worship. It was as if though it was to God himself. But he had to get thrown out of the church first before he could realize whether God's provided a place of worship really was. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he loses mom and daddy, has his name blotted out of the church book, but he maintains his deliverance. You see, for this man not only received physical sight, we don't even know what happened to this man the rest of the book of Acts. We don't know if he ever become a preacher. We don't know what happened to him. 
But the Bible just closes the pages on the history of this man's life and lets his heroic life be an influence to millions of people, a nameless hero. Oh, it's easy for us to worship those of great renown and name, a Moses, a Joshua, a David, you know, a Solomon, or this or that. I'll tell you one thing, when we get there that day, there's going to be more of those nameless heroes than there will those great renowns like Moses and Joshua and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And somebody said, amen. I believe with all of my heart there will be heroes out of this day. Oh, I know we've got the Sinky, the Fendi, the Knox, the Calvin, all them great men, and they've done a great thing. Thank God for them. We've got the forefathers of this church who founded this church years and years ago. It would not be here today had it not been for the Ed Yonces and Pop Phillips and the different ones back there. I didn't even know the brothers, but just sharing about them, that's what paved a way for us to sit here today. And many of them will never be known. The flag wasn't flown at half mass when they died. But when they walk down streets of gold and the Lord God gives them their reward, we are going to see heroes like this world has never known. There will be men, there will be women, there will be boys and girls that have given their life for Jesus Christ. They stood the reproach as a teenager. They stood the reproach as a young lady. But mama didn't want them to do it. Daddy didn't want them to do it. But they stood there and said, I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Let me carpet bomb you here just a little bit before we go on your confession. How many believe your confession is important to God? I got so happy and shouting up here. My iPad jumped about 20 pages on me. Calm down there, boy. Calm down. It's okay. (laughs) A few more to add to your repertoire. I am blessed, Ephesians 1, 3. I am precious in God's sight, Isaiah 43, 4. God is fighting my battles and I will be victorious, Deuteronomy 20 and 4. Nothing can separate me, hallelujah, from God's love, Romans 8, 38 through 39. I trust God at all times, I know I'm going too fast for you to write them down. We'll have them on the website for you and print it out in the library. I want to hit the devil one, two, three. I've got him against the wall. I'm going to jerk his tongue out of his mouth and pull his dentures away and stomp his polygrip. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I want you to know, friend, this is not a bunch of magic words made up by some preacher. This is an identification of who you are in Christ Jesus. You're not a bunch of losers. You're not a bunch of people that barely hangs on by the grace of God. He saw you be before the foundation of the world. He ordains you to live in this day. He calls you to be part of his disciples. I trust God at all times because he is my refuge, Psalm 62, 8. God keeps me in perfect peace because I trust in him and fix my thoughts on him, Isaiah 26, 3. I experience true life when I deny myself and turn from my selfish ways and follow Jesus. I'll tell you one thing, every one of us need to have this printed about the size of your Cadillac sitting outside. 
because that's our main problem right there is our old selfishness. Well, I want this and I think that and so-and-so hurt my feelings and they never asked me this and asked me that. When are we gonna learn? It ain't important how we think we are in our flesh. It's when we realize how important that soul is in the body. I have the anointing of Jesus. He teaches me truth and empowers me to live a full life. I don't believe God wants me to be on spiritual life support. Let's go ahead and see Brother Donnie spiritually. My eyes are crossed. My legs are crossed. How are you doing, Brother Donnie? Oh, I'm barely making it. Pray for me, and I'll pray for you if I can remember your name. What is your name? That's the way some of us are. We're on life support. So we visit one youth camp after another. I'm not against you visiting that, you know that. But our life is not from one youth camp to another, not one banquet to another. Our life must be generated from a new birth in the soul. All you get is camp meeting cramps. We don't want camp meeting cramps. We want to go to youth camps, not just to get, but to give what we're there. Hallelujah, not just to give a revival, but who knows, God may use you to start one. How's his respiration? How's his heartbeat? Blomp. Kablomp. Kablomp. He may have three more days. We don't know. We don't know. It don't seem like he's going to make it. He'll not make it to the end. You must have the wrong patient. That ain't me. There must be another guy out there by the name of Donald Lee Reagan Jr. that was born July the 9th, 1956. When you're talking about somebody on life support, I'm on life support, all right. The Lord God gave his life to support mine. <laughs> My respiration is exactly on the mark. My breathing is doing good. My blood pressure is fine. And my blood is holy blood. I've been redefined by what I was in his thoughts before the world ever began. I come to the world as a sinner. I was worthy of death. But I got born again. I got the new creation in Christ Jesus. Out of my way, devil, here I come. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got eternal life. I'm called to torment hell. I'm called to deliver the sick. I'm called to cast out devils. I'm called to preach deliverance to the people of God. Y'all gonna have to pray for this iPad. It's just going this way and that way. First time I've ever seen an iPad shout. It's more happy than some of you old sour face things are. Wake up, devil, I ain't done. I love God's principles and meditate on them. Psalms 119, verse 97. I live by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. I follow Jesus no matter where he leads me. I said, I follow Jesus no matter where he leads me. Matthew 6, 20. Come on, somebody say amen. I have great joy because I obey God's commandments and remain in his love, St. John 15, 11. 
Because I have written love and faithfulness on the tablet of my heart. I have favor with God, Proverbs 3, 3. I do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. As I follow Jesus and walk in his way of holiness, gladness and joy overtake me. We've got this thing backwards. It's like we're trying to scrape and rake. What are you looking for? A little bit of joy. Oh, I'm chasing it. I'm chasing it. Oh, you're in the wrong position. Joy ought to be trying to chase you down. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Jack, wait a minute. You say, who in the world is that actually? Oh, Lord, it's the devil. It ain't devil, it's joy. It ain't the devil, it's gladness. David said, oh, joy and mercy and peace and gladness will follow me all the days of my life. I don't follow it, it follows me. What force wanted to overtake me? Wanted to give me a little bit more than what I got. Lord knows I need more today. Anybody else? Let's stand. The Lord is my good shepherd. He provides for all. My need, Psalm 23.1. Because I seek the Lord with all my heart, I lack no good thing. Psalm 34.10. The key to my fruit-bearing life is hearing God's truth and understanding it. Matthew 13.23. I'm like a tree planted by streams of water. My life bears fruit and prospers because I meditate on God's word. God's spirit in me is greater than the other spirit in the world out there. He enables me to live a victorious life. 1 John 4, 4. God forgives my wrongdoings. Listen to this part. And never remembers my sin. Boy, we all ought to be happy for that one. Hallelujah. God forgives my wrongdoings and never remembers my sins. Hebrews 8, 12. God is faithful. He'll complete the good work that he has begun in me. Philippians 1, 6. How many loves him with all your heart? How many want these things as your own? Or are we going to be intimidated? Well, my mama, my daddy, the Pharisees, the scribes, the the, 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 the. Or are we going to believe like this man believed? Mama didn't stand with him. Daddy didn't stand with him. The Pharisees didn't stand with him. Throwed him out of the church. But when Jesus heard they throwed him out, Jesus came to him and said, Do you believe on the Son of God? And he said, Who is he? He said, You've heard him and seen him. And it's him that's talking to you. What is that? Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So whose report will you be? You want the Pharisees? Want the scribes? Want them lying devils called symptoms? My. Brother Random talked about symptoms. He says one of the biggest hindrances divine healing has, symptoms. Because people get prayed for, 
And then the symptoms are there or worse after they're prayed for. And they think they're not healed. Remember, faith drives that demon out. That demon will hang around. It's much easier to go in you because you've already had sales there. You've already got a bruise, something going on. Or you've got a tendency toward a certain shortcoming. So it's much easier to get back into you or to anoint you to be able to do the same thing it is than to take over a new house. You've already been an instrument of his for years and years. So he might hang around a day or two or three or a week just to hang around, just to start creating, trying to create all these things in your mind. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, I'm worse. Oh, no, I, I felt that temptation again. Oh, no, I felt my flesh pull. Oh, God, no, 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 I made a mistake. Oh, no, Lord, oh, no. I need to go back to the altar and get saved again. I need to get the Holy Ghost again. I need to get rebaptized. I, I need to make a recommitment. No, you don't. You need to repent. And ask the Lord to forgive you and draw your sword. <laughs> and fight for what's yours. Let's bow our heads together. Hallelujah. Maybe some here today, you're dealing with a sickness. We all know how it is. When we're dealing with a prolonged something, we're dealing with it for a few weeks or something like that depending of course on how bad it is but whenever we deal with it weeks after weeks months after months sometimes years it can become so wearisome it just wears us out that's what it's designed for is to get you weary that devil's hoping that you'll just get weak well I'm not sure I'm not sure if God healed me I'm not sure if it's God's will Maybe God wants me to go. Maybe God wants me to leave. Well, I don't know too much, but I do know this. If God's got something for me to do, or God's going to take me across the river, I don't figure he's going to use his enemy to tell me to get ready. If God's going to take me, God will use a man of God. God will speak to me by the Holy Ghost. When did the devil ever become God's messenger in the sense to speak to God's Holy Ghost-filled children? Jesus didn't say you're going to be led by the devil, but you're going to be led by the Holy Ghost. So until God reveals to you your time is over, I'd fight that devil with everything I got. Amen. Remember old bu- Uncle Buddy Robertson, whenever he prayed and said, God, I got, the whole, I got to have the Holy Ghost. And there's Nazarenes, remember. I got to have the Holy Ghost. I've got to have it, God. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here till, till I die. And then whenever Jesus comes back, they'll find a pile of bones. Because I prayed and stayed and waited until God filled me. Either that or I'd die here. Another old man of God said, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to preach this gospel and stand for truth. I'm going to gnaw on that devil and chew on him. I'm going to make him pay. And if it gets old, I lose all my teeth. I'm going to gum him to death. That's determination. That's determination. I mean, I'd like to be remembered today as we pray. Just hold your need now, your request. I don't want you praying right now at this particular time for others, your wife, your brother, sister, just unless, of course, you wouldn't have a need in your own life. And I want us to hold our own needs before the Lord. And I'm going to pray over you. I don't have the strength to be able to lay hand on each, each of you today. You'll be packing me out of here if I do that. But let's just believe right now. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I come before you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We worship you as well. 
the way that formerly blind man did. We all can relate to it in a spiritual sense because we were formerly spiritually blind. Some of us, it cost us mama and daddy, cost us our church, cost us this, that, and the other. Oh, but Jesus, we'd do it all again, and gladly so. But here stand some of these soldiers today. In the line of duty, they've been attacked by a devil. In the line of duty, little David, his sheep were attacked by a bear, by a lion, then the army of God by a Philistine. Some of them being a good housewife, a good mother, good Christian, and a cancer devil attacked them in the line of duty. Blood pressure attacked them. Lord, it might have been a besetting sin that attacked them. Now they feel like they can never get back. But Lord, I'm here today to declare before them and before heaven that we believe you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know you still, still do miracles because we've seen you do so many in our midst. We know you change lives. You heal the sick. You deliver those that are bound. So, Father, we're bringing our needs, our desires, our requests before you now in the name of Jesus. And I speak to these demons Satan, I'll call y'all by the same name since you're identified under his headship. You are defeated. The Lord Jesus Christ has already paid the price. And we're here today to accept what he has already done. I say to you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, take your hands off of God's property. You've oppressed some, you've afflicted others in their bodies. Some, you've talked them into doing wrong, and then you call the cops on them, as it were, when they did wrong. Now they feel they've crossed the line. You lying devil, I rebuke you and send you back to hell. In the name of Jesus, no son or daughter of God can ever cross that line. We've already crossed that line years ago. Hallelujah, we can never go back to being a sinner. We can never go back to being that old man and woman that we were. We have been born by the breath of God. Take your hands off of God's children. You old cold formal thing, you bound some of them where they can't even worship. You've took the joy from some of them. They don't seem like they even got enough joy to raise their hands in the presence of God. I adjure you today, Satan. You're a liar. We've got so much to praise him for. We've got breath. We've got life. We've got family. We've got a church. We've got the word of the hour. We've got countless blessings, and we're numbering them more every time we come together here to hear about the goodness of God. Get out of our way, you lying devil. You've held back our joy. You've held back our praise, but we've come today to worship. We've come into his courts with thanksgiving. We're going to raise our hands. We're going to lift our voice and worship our mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I want you, if you would, if you don't mind, let me bar your hand for a moment. Lay your hand on that person standing by you. Now you're not praying for yourself, but you're praying for the person near you. You never know what they come to church with on their heart today. You never know the burden they brought. You never know the difficulty. Or oh, they may smile when you shook their hand but you never know, don't never know 
the load that they have. I want you to pray for them right now. I'm going to join in with you. Heavenly Father, as eagle to eagle, believer to believer, Lord, I know enough about humanity to know there's probably not a person standing here today that doesn't have burdens and difficulties. If it's not in their own life, it's their children or their grandchildren or their husband or family or friends. Lord, it seems like everybody we talk to on this day is under so much stress and so much pressure. But Lord Jesus, we believe we have a place that we can go to let off the pressure that's in your presence. So now, Lord, as a family of God, as believers one to the other, we lay our hands on one another. Maybe some are confused about this or that. Maybe some, Lord, are in trouble and they don't know what to do. Maybe some have fallen short of the glory of God. You know what it is, Lord, you're the only one that could go to every heart. But right now, in the name of Jesus, we agree together as the family of God, as the people of God, and we pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for Brother Luther, Lord. I pray for Sister Barbara. Father, I pray for Brother Ron Spencer. You see the need in his body. Lord, I pray for the youth camp that's coming up in a few weeks. Lord God, I ask that you would anoint the speakers, our Father. I pray you would anoint the youth from our church, Lord. May they come back with changed lives. Heavenly Father, we just pray together for your bride around the world. Lord God, may true revival strike her soul. Heavenly Father, bring the last one in that's on the book of life. Bring them in, Father, so we can go home. Maybe there's some here today, Lord, their name is on that book, but they've not yet received the Holy Ghost. May this be the day, Father, that the Spirit of God will strike their soul and they'll be sealed to the day of redemption. Lord God, minister to the needs of your people today, Lord. We worship you right now, Father. As that blind man of old said, he is a prophet. We say also, he is a prophet. Not only a prophet, he is our savior. He is our king. He is our redeemer. He is our peace. He is our deliverer. We worship you now, Father. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are willing to fight for our deliverance and we are willing to fight to keep it, Lord. We're not asking for a flowery bed of ease. Just give us strength to war. Grant it, I pray, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any former blind sisters or former blind brothers that would like to do as the former blind man did, you'd like to worship him. Oh, you just like to raise your hands. But Brother Donnie, I'm not a jumper. I'm not a runner. I never ask you to run. I never ask you to jump. I just want you to worship. Just raise your hands and your voice and your heart. It's not so much the physical movement of your body. not the position of your arms and your legs. It's the position of your heart in tune toward God. The Bible doesn't say this man run. It doesn't say that he jumped up and down, but he worshiped. He worshiped him as God right there in front of the scribes, right there in front of the Pharisees. Oh, but Brother Donnie, my best friend come to church. That might be what your best friend needs to see you worshiping a true and a living God and tears running down your cheeks. That might be the very thing that'll turn their life. Oh, come on, former blind women. Come on, former blind men. Come on, former sinners, former adulterers, liars, whatever we were. Let us worship our King. Let us worship the great prince of forgiveness, the great God of mercy, the great Adonai of his great tranquility and peace given to his children, the great Jehovah Jireh, the way provider. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. We worship you today, Father. We worship you this day. We bless your name, Lord God. We thank you for all that you've done for us. I thank you for saving me, Lord. 
I thank you for sanctifying me. I thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. 40 years ago, March the 27th, 1983, started preaching the message of the hour. Here we are again in March 2023, still preaching the same message of the hour. Oh, Lord, what I've seen you do around the world. I've seen you heal people with malaria. I've seen you straighten out crossed eyes. I've seen you stop cancer. I've seen you heal people right in the middle of a heart attack. I've seen you heal the lost, Lord God. I've seen you change people's lives. Hallelujah. We're not here today and report and say, well, God used to be a good God, but we're here to say today, he is still a good God. He used to move. We're here to say he is still moving. He used to sanctify. He's still sanctifying by his power. We worship you today, Lord. We bless your name, Father. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just worship him just a little bit? Oh, hallelujah. Brother Nate, <clears throat> there's a little boy, a little girl was dedicated to the Lord today. Now, his and Sister April's little Boy's gonna be baptized. The one's dedicated, one's baptized. What a Memorial Day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I worship you. Praise the Lord. Almighty God. Forget about your lunch. Forget about your plans afterwards. There is none. You're in the courts of Jehovah. In the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. I worship you with all your heart. Oh, Prince of Hallelujah. That is what I. my righteousness, Lord, my peace, my salvation, my forgiveness. Hallelujah. I Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Almighty God. Because we know for sure there is none. Everybody now with your hands raised, your eyes closed, your heart open. I worship all my God. There is no life. Hallelujah. No Allah. No gods of Shintoism. I worship, worship oh, Prince of my peace. Everybody, that is what I long to 
This is a little Ian Painter. He calls me Uncle Joe. I'm not sure whether it's my angelic disposition or the candy, but uh, he's come to be baptized. He's been um, really pestering his mom and dad for quite some time now. Sister April was telling me one day he did something that he got in trouble for and she told him that he was being bad. And he said, you see mommy, that's why I need to get baptized. <laughs> We, we could take a great lesson from that. We complicate God's calling so much. It's just simplicity. Of God. You know, when you look at a, a child, his dad reaches his out arms to him and says, come. A child reaches his arms back and he goes. We complicate it. We get older and wiser and more knowledge. And we think we've got to understand the Godhead. We have to understand serpent seed, everything. And it's, we get way above God's head. When God says, I just ask you to come. And that's the way a child responds. I went through the same thing with my children. We, we, wanted, we, we put it to a place we wanted to really know for sure if they were understanding what they were wanting us to do. They understand so much more than you know. When God speaks to their heart, it ain't God speaking to your heart. He's speaking to their heart. And it's so, and it's so simple to them. Let's pray with, with little Leah this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your simplicity, Lord. Lord, as Jesus, in his prayer, in Matthew, he says, Father, I'm so thankful that you hid it from the wise and prudent, but you revealed it unto babes. Lord, if we, we could just take that one scripture, Lord, and just look at the simplicity of God. Brother Rob and I was talking last night on how simple, or when you preached God in simplicity before the seals, God was telling us, don't get so far above it that you can't see me. Lord, we're so thankful for that. Lord, as we baptize little Ian this morning, Father, I pray, Father, when he comes out, you would lead him and guide him, Lord. May he keep that simple faith that all I have to do is trust God. He brought me here. He'll bring me through. Lord, help him, Father, as he, as he grows in the word, Lord. Help him to understand that which you would want him to understand. We're so thankful for him. As we baptize him this morning, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Ian, I baptize you now, okay, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoy the word of the Lord this morning. Psalm 34. 
sing this little chorus this morning if we could. Psalm 34. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from every those who look on
Lord Jesus. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever, ever done. this morning. Amen. How many is happy you got to come to the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Brother Terry, you say we got to be in church this morning. Amen. Sing this as you're dismissed this morning. We'll take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your
you.